Hi everyone, this is Criterion Channel Surfing and I'm your host Josh Hornbeck. I just want to mention a few things before we get into today's show. All of the episodes for March were recorded towards the beginning of the month when the COVID-19 outbreak was still just beginning and we were all just starting to realize how much the world was about to change for all of us. In the time since, I've been putting in long weeks and 14-hour days trying to keep the members of my community informed, safe, and get them the resources they need in the midst of this public health crisis. So the episode you're about to hear is lightly edited. It won't be quite as polished or refined as I like to make my episodes, so you'll hear all of the ums and uhs, the stammers and pauses that I painstakingly remove in the best of circumstances. While I was editing, I reached out to my guests to see if they were in any need of assistance or if there were any causes that they'd like to direct our listeners to, and they both had some suggestions. Michael Hutchins would like to direct people to the Cinema Worker Solidarity Fund, which you can find on GoFundMe. Matt Gasteyer would like to encourage listeners to donate to their local art house theaters while their doors are closed, and he also recommends supporting Doctors Without Borders and Partners in Health. We'll have links to all of those organizations in our show notes. I'd also like to encourage listeners to support Ryan Gallagher, the driving force behind everything at our home network, Criterion Cast. You can donate to Criterion Cast's Patreon, or you can support Ryan directly during this crisis by going to patreon.com slash ryangallagher. If you have the resources to give to others during this crisis, I really want to encourage you to consider supporting those who have been hurt by this virus that's already done so much damage around the world. Thanks for listening. And now, here's the show. You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, The Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Matt Gasteyer of The Complete Podcast joins me today to talk about March's new releases and expiring titles. I'll also check in with Michael Hutchins to talk about the different directors represented on The Criterion Channel. Stay with us as we start surfing The Criterion Channel. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, make sure to check out The Robert Taylor Odyssey, a blog written by Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor takes you along for a journey into his cinematic obsessions, from the Criterion Collection and Film Noir to the films of Akira Kurosawa and the American Film Institute's Top 100. Find out more at therobertaylorodyssey.wordpress.com. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. Uh, my guest today is Matt Gasteyer of The Complete Podcast, now reaching the end of its third season. Of course, regular listeners of Criterion Channel Surfing recognize him from our regular segments providing tips and tricks for navigating the Criterion Channel. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show to spend the day with me to talk about <laughs> everything. So uh, thanks for being here. This is exciting. I usually only get to do the uh, the tips and tricks, so I get to stretch my legs a little bit here. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to talk about a lot of different things. Well, um, you know, normally when I have bring a guest on, I talk about we talk about the channel and kind of your experience, but we've been talking about that for a lot, <laughs> <laughs> a long time now. Uh, 
so I'm I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I asked this question earlier uh, last week on the Facebook group, but uh, you know, let's talk a little bit maybe about kind of your relationship with Criterion, with art house cinema, and you know, classic film in general. So, um, kind of, what was your entry point into getting into uh, kind of this this realm of art house cinema and classic cinema. I know we kind of lump them all together, but uh, how did you first get into thinking maybe more deeply or more uh, more thoughtfully about film? Yeah, it is it is kind of a tiered experience for me um, because uh, and it is a little muddy because I, I think I probably got into this stuff um, not as hardcore as I am now, but um, much younger than uh, the average uh, person anyway that I talk films with in our Facebook groups or general criterion groups. Um, when I was a kid, I was sort of brought up on classic film. My mom introduced me to classic Hollywood at a very young age, and my parents were avid moviegoers, so I was going to the movies once, if not twice a week uh, on the weekend to, to go see films with them. Saw many films that I was far too young to see, uh, which a couple of them actually will be talking about on this show. <laughs> um, and, uh, and fell in love with uh, movies at, at a very young age. Um, and through the process of getting into movies, I was reading about them and learning about the films that influenced the films that I love. Uh, many of which were foreign films. And so I uh, decided to seek those out uh, at the local VHS rental store. And so that was my only exposure to, uh, to foreign film through uh, the kind of mid-90s uh, period. Um, I remember in particular that the eight and a half VHS was so bad because the it was white subtitles on the black and white hmm. film and there was so much white in the movie that that you could frequently could not decipher uh, what was being uh, put in the subtitles on that particular VHS uh, so I'm very happy to have a pristine copy of that movie now <laughs> um, and then so so it was kind of a tear in that um, I got into classic film and then foreign film and then Criterion I had seen couple of my friends parents had laser discs and so I had seen the Criterion Collection logo on those but never really put it together until I started buying my own DVDs I think the first Criterion I bought was uh, The Red Shoes which was a movie mm. that uh, I loved for uh, pretty much my whole life and was very excited to own it. I paid a lot for it because that was a time mm. when before Amazon and before flash sales and all that stuff. So I think I paid list price for it, um, but I was really happy to have it. Uh, and I fell in love with Criterion when they put out two of my favorite films of all time, which were Trouble in Paradise and The Vanishing. And so the, those two movies I loved for years and the fact that they uh, released them Trouble in Paradise in particular had never been available on any sort of home media before it was released on DVD by Criterion. And so that was really uh, what made me into a lifelong fan. And then through throughout the 2000s, uh, I tried to watch as many of them as I could. I got them from Netflix or I bought them. Um, and then in 2009, 
I decided to uh, watch all of them. And it took me about five years uh, to finish up the films that I hadn't yet seen and to keep up with what they were releasing while I was watching all of those movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did most of that through uh, the Netflix streaming deal that they had in 2009 to until 2011 when the Hulu deal came through and I watched uh, the rest of them. I basically finished up my Netflix queue of Criterion films right as they announced the Hulu deal. So it was uh, real uh, kismet uh, hmm. that that um, that I was able to watch so many of these movies uh, when at just the perfect time for for my plans. So um, I was able to complete that, and I've been catching up ever since. Hmm. That's really cool. That's really interesting. I do think that those tears, right, that we go through, I think those are always the way it works, right? We we start with one thing and kind of begin to build on that. I think for me, it had started uh, with the Oscars. It was, the, I still remember it was the year that Pulp Fiction and Forrest mm-hmm. Gump mm-hmm. and uh, Shawshank Redemption, Quiz Show, and Four Weddings, Four and, a weddings funeral, and a Funeral yeah. uh, were all nominated. And I remember seeing all of those films that year. And that was, I think, the first year that I saw all of the Best Picture nominees. And that really led me to try to see all of the nominated films each year. And through that and through reading Roger Ebert's coverage of those films, it got me to start watching foreign films as well because there were always foreign films that were nominated and then taking a film class in college where I had to watch some classic films and I had seen some classic films that I really liked before but watching Citizen Kane more intentionally and understanding it and watching Dr. Strangelove and watching Buster Keaton's The General you know, starting to to understand it a little bit more and then moving to the AFI's great films list, which is not a great list, but it introduced me and gave me a curated entryway to films that I might not have sought out on my own, uh, especially when, uh, you know, I, I most of my experience had been with those, you know, 90s independent films. And then moving on to the Roger Ebert great films lists, which really, for me anyway, uh, led me to Criterion because so many of the films on his list, I kept noticing the, the, the Criterion logo on them. And that's suddenly I said, you know, I, every film that I've seen from Criterion has had something in there that I really appreciate. So I'm just going to keep taking a chance on these because there's there's always going to be something there that i'm going to at least get something out of yeah i mean uh it's it's a bummer that uh the shitty movie won that year uh yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know if i'm supposed to curse on this show but um that's fine that's no it's a i think we're we're of a similar age and that was a yeah actually pulp fiction was one of the uh first films that really turned me on to the idea that these movies that I have been watching and loving uh, come from somewhere that they, yeah. you know, that, that this isn't just about um, whatever's hot that year that, that to fully appreciate those movies and to uh, really engage with the art form, you have to know what came before to understand yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
where are you now with your journey through Criterion? Are you still trying to keep up with watching all of the spines or have you abandoned that project? Oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm still keeping up. I mean, the, w- once you've watched a thousand of these things, like it would be a <laughs> shame to let that slide. Um, I need to work my way through the Godzilla box. I, I still mm. I've only watched the first uh, two of those movies, so I um have have a ways to go to get caught up again um but i hey i made it through the olympic box so i feel like i can accomplish anything if i set my mind to it <laughs> that's right which is that's not right. to say that was not a, that was a wonderful experience i'm the, so i'm not saying but it was a hundred hours of viewing <laughs> yes for yes. one spine number <laughs> <laughs> yes those are always a, a challenge those uh when you're when you're trying to check off the spines right yeah um how has that that experience with criterion what what other projects has that led you to and what what other uh, rabbit trails has that um taken you down well um i also finished the eclipse sets and i am only two or three movies i'm three movies away from finishing the sight and sound 250 um, Mm. simply because a couple of those are just really hard to find um and uh this year i decided i'm gonna wrap up the they shoot pictures don't they top 1000 because i only have about 100 that i haven't seen on there unfortunately most of those are pretty hard to find too which is why i haven't seen them yet um But uh, beyond lists, I think the thing that it really uh, gave me was a love for a wide variety of directors and um, cinema movements and film cultures that I had not previously been widely exposed to. Mm -hmm. Um, People like, even though I had seen Diabolique and Wages of Fear, watching the other Clouseau films that were on uh, criterion was an eye-opening experience for me um something mm-hmm. like Le corbeau was mind-blowing um the ophels films um the visconti films uh, certainly the mm-hmm. leopard was a was a, a major uh film for me in terms of discovering somebody that i wasn't familiar with before um and then as i've uh am sort of uh notorious for is my love of ozu and um, I the first two Ozu movies I watched I thought were okay not that great <laughs> I was a little bored <laughs> and uh, didn't understand what the big fuss was but the fact that I wanted to watch all of these spine numbered films I forced myself to watch the other Ozu movies and by movie four it really clicked for me and mm. once I did that and the other I watched the other films that were in the collection I went back to the ones that I had only sort of liked previously, and uh, now I'm I'm obsessed. So, yeah. you know, I think yeah. that there's the 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 thing is like it's easy to say, oh, it's it's silly to force yourself to watch a movie that you don't want to watch just to check off a box, but this is the value that you get out of it is that you can can discover things that you otherwise might not have expected to love as much as you actually do. And all of the like experimental film as well, you know, that was never something that I was especially into, especially being raised on um, classic film. And that was my way into movies. Um, 
something like Dillinger is Dead is not a film that I would ever um, have considered watching 10 years ago. Um, but the process of actually sitting down and watching the whole thing, not getting bored 20 minutes in because nothing was happening and turning it off, um, that movie had a profound impact on me, uh, both while I was watching it and in retrospect. And so, you know, the biggest lesson I learned is is to not get set in your ways, to stretch out, to take mm. in something new. Yeah. Yeah, I have found that for myself, having kind of these rotations where I just kind of work films in that I might not normally uh, I might not normally choose I might not be feeling like watching a certain film yeah. but by by having this kind of strict rotation uh, you know there are certain films I might not not ever get to I don't know that I would have gotten to Paris uh, Paris belongs to us the Rivette film uh, because I don't know that I was feeling it you know it's a little longer i i was maybe not in the right mood for it but because it came up in my rotation of films uh it was there and you know i absolutely loved it it was fantastic and uh you know i just i am finding that uh, having some of those those things for myself where i'm kind of forcing myself to sit down and watch something or or forcing myself to rewatch certain films, um, bringing those back. Uh, I just I find that I'm getting so much out of those experiences. Um, I I read an interview with Wallace Shawn a number of years ago, the the actor, and he has been trying to educate himself on visual art and on paintings, and he doesn't know much about painting. And he'll go to a museum and he'll spend time with a painting and just assume that if he doesn't know something about a painting or if he doesn't get it, that it's about himself. And so he'll look at it, he'll study it for a bit and then go back and learn more about it and then come back to it again and try to appreciate it from a different perspective. And uh, that's sometimes how I feel about, uh, about films, uh, in the collection that, you know, uh, like you were saying with some of those earlier Ozu films that didn't click with you, I find that when I come back to a film that didn't work for me the first time, uh, by the time I've seen it a few times, some of these films really do become some of my favorite works of art. I remember the first time watching Andrei Rublev, I appreciated it, but didn't love it. And I've seen it about four times now, and I just find this to be an absolutely moving and transfixing masterpiece of cinema. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, and, and I think the one other thing I'll, I'll add as, I, as you were um, speaking about kind of spending time with, with the, the work is that uh, I wrote a blog uh, while I was um, watching all of these movies and it was really intended not as something for people to read or for me to build up followers or anything like that, but just to mm -hmm. have something to keep me going and to make it feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing this thing and it's not just a, an occasional, uh, thing that I'll never actually complete. And, um, I ended up writing, I think about 200,000 words on the criterion collection, <laughs> uh, in total, because I, you know, I had about 500 posts on there, um, 500 movies that I watched and forcing yourself to write something about a movie going on letterboxed and, or, or buying a notebook to keep a journal. If you're, um, 
yeah. into the whole in real life thing um that it's it's invaluable because not only are you not going to remember what you what you watched uh if you watch <laughs> as many movies as i do um be able to distinguish between the different movies um but you teach yourself how to talk about art in a way that um is satisfying to you and that you're able to communicate to other people um what you think about those films and what those films are trying to say in your opinion but i think more importantly kind of what uh what they said to you and what they might say to other people and um to me that's kind of the the second most valuable thing after watching and uh, getting something out of the movie for you is to be able to, to talk about these things with other people. And, you know, that's why I'm here today. And, um, I, I, I think it's a, a really fun experience to be able to share the, these works with, with the crowd. Yeah. 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 That's great. Uh, when I asked this question in the Facebook group, it's really interesting to just see everybody's different experiences and how they came to, to discover uh, either criterion or they came to discover art house cinema or classic cinema. The number one response was just art house cinemas in general, uh, whether it was a local cinema or something in their neighborhood, uh, that was kind of their entry point into discovering uh, this passion for it. Uh, Roger Ebert's Great Films List was the second thing on there. Video Stores was number three. And I think, you know, again, we're both the same age. And, uh, you know, that experience of walking into a video store and being able to find uh, videos on the shelf uh, and being able to have knowledgeable store employees guide you to films and help you discover things that you wouldn't ordinarily find, I think was such an invaluable experience as we were growing up as budding cinephiles, right? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, number four on this list was they heard about Filmstruck in the news. So people who were maybe brand new to Criterion. Um, and then college film courses. Uh, so I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting range of ways that people approached and uh, learned about this. Um, yeah, I do think that, you know, a lot of people will take a college film course thinking they're going to get to talk about Star Wars or get to discuss the latest <laughs> Batman movie and, uh, you know, end up really learning a lot about things that they didn't expect and uh, I know for me it was just so eye-opening uh, to really discover a love for classic film that I didn't know that I had yes although there still is always that one guy in all the film classes that wants to talk about the latest Batman movie anyway <laughs> that is very true um, well uh, Matt and I are going to be right back and we're going to talk about the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of March but first I'm going to check in with Michael Hutchins and we're going to talk about the different directors who are represented on the Criterion Channel's permanent library stay with us
If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, make sure to check out Good Times, Great Movies, hosted by Doug McCambridge and Jamie Lorello, a podcast about the best, but usually the worst, of 80s cinema. Every other Friday, Doug and Jamie discuss a film from the 80s. Some are films they haven't seen since they were kids and offer a contemporary perspective. Others are films they've never seen before but probably should have. Do they hold up? Are they classics? Or would these films just be better off having been lost to time? Find out more at goodtimesgreatmovies.com. I'm here with Michael Hutchins, one of our regular contributors to Criterion Channel Surfing, as well as a frequent contributor to most of the Facebook groups dedicated to the Criterion Collection. He's joining me today to talk about directors who are represented on the Criterion Channel. As always, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I know oh. you're getting ready to go on a trip, and uh, we're recording this a little early before you head out, but uh, I'm really excited to dig into some of the stats on the directors who are out there. So uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Hi. Thank you, Josh. Great to be here. So uh, let's just maybe dive right in. So who are some of the, the big directors that we find represented on the channel? What have you found as you've been looking into the numbers? Oh, the, the big one on the permanent streaming library would have to be uh, Keisuke Kenoshita. Mm. He, he's just, he's just number one. There's, there's no one who has more than him, you know, with 43 films in the, in the mm. collection. That's, that's a pretty large amount of film. I think it's almost every film in his filmography. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's amazing that uh, Criterion has those readily available for anybody who has the channel. That is a pretty. That's a pretty huge number of movies. Yeah. Uh, do you, you know, I, as I've been working my way through films, you know, I we're we're going to be talking about uh, Kenoshita on this episode, so. You know, as I was looking through some of his films and trying to figure out what films that I wanted to talk about with Matt, I kept forgetting that some of the so many of the films that I have already watched on the channel are Kenosha films <laughs> yes. because he his his filmography spans so many different things. Uh, do you know how many of his films the, uh, Criterion has actually released on physical disc? Give me a second here, and I can just pull it up. Let's see here. I'm looking at 24 Eyes, and we have uh, The Ballad of Narayama, uh, and those are in the uh, spine-numbered yeah. uh, releases. And then we have, uh, let's see here, there's the four or five of them that was released on the Eclipse series. That means that almost all of them are only available for streaming. Wow. Wow. So we only have a handful of his films available on disc and then everything else is is available digitally. That's that's crazy. I feel like that's uh, when we talk about some of the other filmmakers that are represented in the collection. I mean, that's kind of like a flip between some of the others like uh, Bergman is next up on your list, right? Yes, Bergman's next with 39 films. And so that's that's pretty obvious since we've got that big box from him that there are there are a lot of films in the Criterion Collection by Bergman. Do we have any streaming exclusives or are all of the films that Criterion has on the channel pretty much available now on disc because of the box set? Oh, they're they're all available in the box set. Even though some of them don't have spine numbers, 
uh, all of them are now available physically on the uh, Criterion Collection. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, when we look down at the next couple of ones, uh, who are some of the other filmmakers that we look at that also have pretty good representation in the collection? Oh, Yasujiro Ozu, practically all of his films are now available mm-hmm. on the, the channel. And uh, a pretty good amount of them are available physically, but I'd say it, about half of them, half of the 31 films can be found physically. And then after that, of course, we've got the big guy, Akira Kurosawa. <laughs> and uh, he's got 25 films in the collection. And uh, if, as you notice, you know, right now we're at four, the top four directors, and three of them are Japanese. Yeah. So that, that yeah. should be a kind of an indication about how the permanent library kind of leans towards the Japanese uh, directors. But, yeah. uh, but that's a good thing. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we've got our first... Uh, German director, we're the only one on this list, and that's Reiner Werner Fassbinder with 21 films. So he's pretty well represented. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, when we look at Ozu, I mean, while a lot of his films may be on disc, still half of his films are only available streaming. That's still quite a few films that you can only access through the channel. That's true. Uh, Now, uh, I may have to come back on that because I forgot that there's quite a number of his films that were released on the Eclipse series. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say it, there's at least a dozen that were that are only available now on the streaming channel. Yeah, I remember when I, when Filmstruck was getting ready to shut down, I made a pretty concerted effort to go through a lot of those titles that were not available on disc. And it was a it was a lot of a lot of the silent films. There were a lot of the fragments, you know, that we didn't have full films for yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was a a really rich and rewarding experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, if for those people who are maybe only watching films that are out on Blu-ray or they're only watching films that are uh, available on physical media, this is such a an incredible resource for people, right? Oh yes, it's it's a it's a glorious amount of films that's only accessible on the channel. Yeah. But talking about fragments, when I was making up my list, I did not include short films; I only mm. included feature length films. So that that's kind of a, a little uh, warning there, in case in case yeah. you want to add some. Uh, there are a lot of directors out there on the channel, like Hollis Frampton and uh, Jean Panlevé have a lot of films but of course those are all shorts but i just i didn't at this time want to include them in this list you know i just wanted to compare apples to apples in this case you know yeah that would get to be a a little unwieldy and cumbersome if you want to start going down that rabbit hole of shorts right sure yeah uh with kurosawa you know i know we have many of his films and, and a lot of his films on physical disc at least the ones that criterion has the rights to are there any films that uh, kurosawa has uh, that we don't have on physical disc uh, or that are not easily accessible on physical disc that are currently streaming on the channel probably uh there's a couple there's uh Matadayo, which is mm. was only available at one time in the uh AK-25, I believe, the box set that was only available on DVD. Yeah. That one is now only available on the channel. And then uh, there's also uh, Dersu Usala, or mm-hmm. Uzala. That was a film he made in Russia, and that was that's now only available on the channel. At one time, it was on Laserdisc, but there's not really been a good uh, release of that 
on DVD or Blu-ray. And that yeah. is probably the next one everyone talks about. But, but my understanding is the elements just aren't there. Or maybe they've been working on them for years. I think Mosque Film uh, was was getting together with Criterion to try to create, you know, some masters for them to use. And I'm sure that was one of them. But we'll find out uh, how soon that will ever come out or if it will yeah. ever come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, let's let's continue diving into a few more of these filmmakers and uh, the films that they have uh, currently on the channel. Who else do we have when we're looking at uh, films after or directors after Fassbender? Uh, we got uh, Masahiro Shinoda with nineteen, and then Nagisa Oshima with eighteen. Uh, then we get a, a, a Rossellini, Roberto Rossellini with seventeen, and then Louis Mao with sixteen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So some of those are surprising when you consider, you know, for instance, uh, someone, well, if you know the channel, you wouldn't consider him obscure. But I guess for the general audience, someone like Masahiro Shinoda is was not that that prominent. But but he has a, quite a number of films on the channel. Yeah. Yeah. Same That's... thing with uh, Mikio Nurese, who yeah. has 15 films in it. And he's pretty well known uh in the cinema community that's that's pretty i mean this is a pretty it's pretty neat to see the care that they take with directors that they are really going out of their way to get as many complete filmographies as possible obviously they're not going to be able to get everything uh but i mean that's pretty pretty incredible are there any filmmakers that they don't have many of their films released on physical media that you see pretty large collections in the the digital streaming library oh you know uh beyond shinoda and maybe narise i would say people like uh Mizuguchi. They, mm. they have 13 of his films, only about maybe three or four actually physically released. And of yeah. course, we've got the Spanish director, uh, Luis Garcia Berlanga, mm -hmm. who has 11 films and only one film is on has been released physically. But that's always been rumored to have that he was going to get a Eclipse box set. But that's yeah. that's not that's not come up yet. Yeah. Yeah, every time I see one of those those big dumps, when I would see those during the film struck or even the Hulu days where we'd suddenly get a ton of films by a filmmaker, it was always one of those really exciting uh, events, right? Uh, I also think about the uh, the Atami films, right, from the director right. of Tempopo, yeah. where suddenly we got, it felt like a ton of his films all on the channel at the same time and may never get any of his other films released on disc, but to get a lot of his work on the channel, to be able to dive into that is really exciting. Well, actually, it's, it's his complete filmography. Oh, Tommy, that's Every neat. film he ever made is now available to see on the channel. Uh, so he barely didn't make my list because I cut my list off at 10 films, and he has 10 films on the channel. Mm. And another person, I'm sadly, I had to leave off the list, was Agnes Varda. She's the highest rated woman, but she only had 10 films. So she would mm. have come in 20th place. Yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, so looking at this list, you can see, you know, 19 male directors, and, and then we have Agnes Varda yeah. in 20th yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I'm glad they have as much Varda as they do on the channel. That's that's really good to see. And I'm glad they're continuing to work to try to get more female filmmakers on the channel as much as they're able to. And we know we're going to get the Varda box later this year. So Yeah, yeah. 
we'll have more physically released out there as well. Yeah. So I know you did do a little bit of work on shorts. And so, uh, you know, I don't want that work to, you know, uh, be in vain. So why don't you just give me a couple of the highlights of some of the short films and some of the short collections that you discovered as you were kind of rummaging through this? Oh, yeah. Well, you, you, you have to go to Agnes Varda's shorts, the ones that are now available on her Eclipse box set. But they are also now available on the channel. Love those films. Mm-hmm. And then we've got almost every, well, every film on the Hollis Frampton Odyssey box set is now available on the channel, as well as mm-hmm. the Sciences Fiction, the short films by Jean Panlevé, and uh, almost all of the films from Les Blank, all of the uh, highlighted films from his box set is now on the channel. Only a few of the supplements aren't available yet, but uh, that's a good start if you're looking for short films and the permanent streaming library. Well, that's neat. That's really neat. That's very neat. What uh, What are some of the conclusions that you have reached as you've been kind of digging around and looking at uh, all the directors on the channel over the last few days? I wanted to step back and look at it more subjectively because here we are within this community. We just think of Criterion as the end-all and be-all. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to step back and look at, say, someone else's view of, of world cinema and the directors that represent you know, the best in world cinema. So, of course, I went to BFI Sight and Sound magazine's uh, poll, which was re- last released in 2012. And uh, of their Critics 100 poll, uh, there were 64 directors, and 70% of those have films in Criterion's permanent streaming library. So I think that's an extraordinary amount. There's 45 directors who are on that list, plus another eight of them uh, have films in the physical library. So that's that's a extraordinary, you know, and subjective look at at how uh, directors of world cinema are represented in the Criterion Collection. That's neat. That's really neat. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the other things that you have discovered in your time digging around? Well, of the top 20 directors, only one is American, <laughs> and that's, that's Charlie Chaplin. And that was uh, that was surprising to me as well. But when you consider that the permanent library is so, at least half the films are non-English, that's that's pretty, pretty representative of the collection as a whole, that there's not that many directors that have that large numbers of films in the, in the collection. But also, you know, something that struck me, of course, and the conclusion I had to make was that we don't have that many female directors, and that's going to be something that, of course, we've talked about before and something that Criterion is actively trying to correct. Right now, yeah. uh, only, there's only 30, there was only 30 women directors. Of the 433 directors that, are now, that now have films in the permanent streaming library, that's about 7% are female. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they only have 50 films, which is less than 4% of what's yeah. on the channel. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're, we know that's changing. We know that they're trying to fix that because the permanent library really can't be changed until they start acquiring more films. And they're not really doing that uh, as much as they have in the past. I mean, like in the 35-year history of Criterion Collection, it just seemed like they had their eyes set on, you know, what was considered the canon. And we know, you know, in the past what the canon meant. And that usually meant, you know, all male directors. Yeah. But right now they are they are working on that. They're adding more women directors to the um, limited engagements, and so that's uh, and a lot of highlights and spotlights they're showing female directors on the channel. So yeah. we can see how they are trying to correct the the past in that regard. 
Yeah, and they do seem to be making a really concerted effort in their physical releases to be trying to highlight female filmmakers almost every month. That's true, uh, yes. And that, that seems to be a mark of what they're trying to do on a really regular basis is continuing to try to break open the canon and... Uh, uh, while they may not be able to secure permanent streaming rights to those films, uh, they really are trying, it seems, to say, we're going to now add this into our permanent uh, physical library, at least. Yeah. I mean, with well, the Dorothy yes. Arzner film this last month with Dance, Girl Dance coming out in April, you know, I think that's that's all positive stuff right oh yeah we can only you can only look forward in this case i was yeah. you know looking backwards but yeah. at, at this point as far as representation that's just a, an ongoing process it's nothing yeah. that we can we can't change the past but we can we can change what's going to happen keep moving forward mm. with it, yes right? yeah yes yeah well, anything else you want to say about the the stuff that you found as a as you've been diving into the director's no, I just want to uh, thank you for bringing up the subject and may, let me dive deep into this and to discover all these little factoids that heretofore I had just kind of looked over. But yeah, appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Michael. This is always a pleasure. I always love having you on and uh, I will be excited to hear what factoids you have to share for us next <laughs> all month. All right. All right. Thank you, Josh. Uh, where can people find you? I am at Letterboxd. And I am also on the Criterion Channel Facebook Club and, uh, and uh, also Criterion Now Facebook group. Great. Well, we'll be right back with more Criterion Channel Surfing as Matt Gasteyer and I continue our conversation by talking about March's new releases and expiring titles. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Criterion Reflections, hosted by David Blakesley. Join David and his guests on their chronological journey through the films of the Criterion Collection. Each episode provides an in-depth discussion into the cultural context for the films discussed and covers Criterion releases on DVD, Blu-ray, Laserdisc, and the Criterion Channel. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. Welcome back to Criterion Channel Surfing. I'm here with Matt Gasteyer, and we're getting ready to dive into the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of March. Uh, so, Matt, as we were, as you're looking over the list of new titles, do you have any just overall first impressions of the the new releases and the things that are coming to the channel, or the things that are now on the channel? Well, I mean, they just continue to churn these things out right i mean the I the, the scale of what they're putting out is pretty amazing to me and it's it's almost um satisfying in the sense that um, because they just keep putting up so much every month it's uh it's so obvious that i'm not going to get to everything that i want to get to that, that it makes me feel better uh, to know that there's just way too much stuff. Um, the other thing that really struck me this month is that there are a couple of things I believe that uh, have come back 
that were yeah. on the channel before. And I think that may have happened uh, a few times before, but it just struck me this month that uh, there's there's some stuff that they've sort of repackaged into different bundles. And so I, I would expect that to continue, especially with um, those kind of high profile of the titles here that they are bringing back. Um, so, you know, if, if there is like a high profile title, um, you know, it, the chances of it coming back are probably fairly good. Um, if they can figure out a way, you know, if it's, if it's in a director bundle, maybe it'll be in a star bundle next time, or in this case in a score bundle. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, that that's just something interesting I noticed. Yeah. I think that's actually, uh, there are a couple of things that are coming back and, uh, last month we had a Hollywood uh, shuffle come back as right. well. That's right. Yeah. So film. Yeah, yeah. So I think we are starting to see some things just kind of cycle back through. And that is really encouraging that things that might expire might get another three month engagement here and there. And, uh, and I like your, I like your point that, uh, there is just there's no way there's no way to keep up with everything and uh, you know since since we talked in december i i have come to a deep sense of peace about this and <laughs> uh you know it is okay it is okay that there's so much content that i'll never get to and uh it gives me a great list of films to catch when i'm able to when i see them on other streaming services as well and to remember that Hey, that was on a scores by Quincy Jones bundle. I think I might want to check that out at some point. So, uh, well, let me dive into the the bundles here really quick and uh, get into this. Uh, we have a lot uh, again, a lot coming. We have scores by Quincy Jones with the Slender Thread, the Deadly Affair, In Cold Blood, uh, and a whole lot more. We have Triple Play with Take Me Out to the Ball Game, Kill the Umpire, Angels in the Outfield. We have the exclusive streaming premiere of Too Late to Die. We have directed by Kelly Reichardt with the return of River of Grass, Old Joy, Wendy and Lucy, and Meek's Cutoff. We have directed by Andre Tarkovsky with Steamroller in the, Viol Steamroller in the Violin, Ivan's Childhood, Andre Rublev. Uh, and the big highlight here are Nostalgia and The Sacrifice, uh, plus others as well. We have three by Peter Bag Bog we have three by Peter Bogdanovich with Targets, The Last Picture Show, and Paper Moon. We have starring Rita Hayworth with Only Angels Have Wings, You'll Never Get Rich, You Were Never Lovelier, and a whole lot more. Directed by Kathleen Collins with the Cruise Brothers and Miss Malloy and Losing Ground. We have three documentaries from the Sensory Ethnography Lab featuring Sweetgrass, Leviathan, and Kaniba. We have a German Expressionism bundle with the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, The Golem, Destiny, Dr. Mabuse, The Gambler, and more. We have directed by Terry Zweigoff with Louis Bluey, Crumb, Ghost World, and Art School Confidential. We have three by Liliana Cavani with Women of the Resistance, The Night Porter, and The Skin. We have starring Catherine Deneuve with Vice and Virtue, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, Repulsion, Belle de Jour, and again, a whole lot more there. Uh, we have two new additions to the starring Sidney Poitier bundle with Edge of the City and Patch of Blue. We have uh, Sally Potter's Orlando. 
We have Criterion Editions of The Day Trippers, Safe, 310 to Yuma, Trilogy of Life, The French Lieutenant's Woman, and On the Waterfront. We have Saturday Matinees for Young Sherlock Holmes, Hans Christian Andersen, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, and Fly Away Home. We have Shorts Plus Features of 24 Frames Per Second and 24 Frames, Aves and The Nun, would you look at her and Tomboy, 24 Hours in the Life of a Clown and La Strada, and Counterfeit Konku and Charlotta? We have double features of Failsafe and Dr. Strangelove, The Front Page and His Girl Friday, The Passenger and Identification of a Woman, Of Time in the City and My Winnipeg. Then we have Adventures in Movie Going with Patton Oswalt, Observations on Film Art on the lyrical cinematography of Picnic at Hanging Rock. And then this was added at the last minute uh, for the Art House America Jacob Burns Film Center. We have the addition of Stop Making Sense. So, Woo! yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not bringing this up in one of my recommendations, but uh, I love seeing young Sherlock Holmes there. That was one of those films that I grew up watching as a kid and absolutely loved it and was completely horrified by it at the same time. Um <laughs> You know, it's it funny. I, ju I literally just showed it to my kids. Uh, oh, yeah. This weekend. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my wife's uh, favorite movies for when she was a kid. And mm -hmm. uh, so we were we were a little apprehensive about showing it to them. Uh, my daughter is five, but she's like, oh, she's a dark five. So <laughs> uh, and we had shown her Coraline and she loved Coraline. Okay. okay. So, um, she had it hold she up was, for her. She was on board with it. She was. She oh, was, nice. She was nice. definitely down. Um so yeah, no, it was a good, uh, good experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is the, like you said, there's just, there's so much that they keep adding and like the, the Kelly Reichart bundle, that's all stuff that they had on Filmstruck for a time. Then it came back on Criterion channel. It went away and now it's back again. Um, it just, it, it shows that there's a good chance that we're going to see titles that we really like continue to make the rounds here yeah and that and i think all of those are oscilloscope is that right yeah or, yeah. yeah um oh, other than old joy of course um, yeah and yeah i mean those are great films um I, I know it's one of your recommendations here but um wendy and lucy in particular is yeah uh, astonishingly good <laughs> as far as yeah. i'm concerned um yeah. i think it was on the uh new york times uh, top 10 of the the new millennium and i mm -hmm. i do not uh disagree with that assessment it, yeah. it's it's definitely yeah. a standout yeah yeah well uh matt what what would you recommend what are you excited to catch from this list of titles um so uh there's tons of stuff i would recommend on here because it's <laughs> yeah. so great um I do want to point out one returning movie that I think people kind of gloss over because it's kind of, uh, I, well, the two fil the two films that I, I want to recommend really, I think are, are movies that, um, might, people might overlook because they don't seem as, um, class. They're not classing up the joint, uh, as far yeah, as, as yeah. some people are concerned. Um, but, uh, the first one is Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Um, which is uh, famous for being a, a wife swapping swingers uh, movie from the '60s. It's not really that, in that it's about people who are, who want to be that but are unable to be. Um, and I think mm -hmm. uh, it 
often gets um, called out for being dated uh, because it's so much of its time. And in a lot of ways it is, but it's also, I think, uh, very relevant for anybody that has had kids and gotten gotten married, had kids and moved to the suburbs. Um, I think it's a very cutting satire of people who um, want to retain their their cool and their relevance in uh, in the hip new days with the kids and their sneakers. Um, and I think uh, it's got a couple of of dynamite performances from Elliot Gould and Diane Cannon, mm-hmm. um, but all four of them are really great in the movie. Um, and it, it, I think it gets overlooked too much and sort of dismissed as as a a time capsule when I think it's a lot more than that. Um, and the, the other one that I want to point out here is Fly Away Home, which is uh, a film by Carol Ballard, who directed Black Stallion, which is in the collection and is one of the most beautiful movies ever made. It was shot by Caleb Deschanel, and it's it's astonishingly gorgeous. Um, all of his movies are, all of his features are about um, the relationship between children and animals. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Duma is another great film. Um, but Fly Away Home stars Anna Paquin and Jeff Daniels. And I think it's just generally thought of as like a cute kids movie. Uh, and it certainly is that. And I showed it to my kids and they loved it. And that's why it's here on um, the Saturday matinee, because it, it's it's definitely kid appropriate. Um, but it's also the kind of movie that is not made anymore. And it's uh, joyful and it's um, cute. It's adorable. Um, it's got some darkness his films always have a little bit of a of a darkness to them um in that fairy tale way um this is based on a true story about uh, a girl and her father who built a a, uh, airplane that looks like a bird to teach birds how to fly uh south for the for the winter um and it's just a really delightful movie that is the kind of family film that uh isn't made anymore because uh the the you know it doesn't have the action-packed third act where the villain is um chasing after everybody and there's lots of sliding and jumping so um you know it's just a it's a gentle movie it's a great movie for for a lazy afternoon and it's a real joy yeah yeah, I totally agree about Fly Away Home. I was completely blown away by how good it is. I That was one that I had to see in my college film class, actually. We saw it. Mm. We, we had to go see it in theaters and oh, wow. write a review of it. And <laughs> uh, it is it's stunning. And I think that you're right. I think Carol Ballard also, the relationship between children and animals is also about children healing as well you know there's there's a there's an element too of uh he he gets at the the ways in which that relationship between kids and 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 animals can help them move past past traumas can help them move past loss can help them um move past grief and uh i think that uh, fly away home is just an absolutely stunning film that uh really i think people overlook it because they think it's a a kid's film 
And while it's kid appropriate, I think there's so much there. And yeah, I'm I'm glad you're recommending this one. I almost put it on my list as well. Yeah, I hope they get Duma uh, for this Saturday matinee slot uh, yeah. at some point because that that's an underseen film, I think, and it's uh, it's the he made it in in the 2000s and uh, it didn't get enough love when it was released. It's a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one that I have is kind of a it's a recommend slash eager to catch, um, mm. or which is Orlando. Uh, this is one of the films that I saw far too young i saw this in theaters <laughs> um i think it came out in 1992 is that right i think so yeah so i was 10 and this is not a movie for a 10 year old but i will say uh it stuck with me ever since i saw it in theaters mm-hmm. um i think about it occasionally it's a very moving film um and I don't want to give any of it away. And so I won't say what the what the plot of this movie is, um, but it's Tilda Swinton, who is extraordinary in it. And uh, it's, it, it, is, it is a costume movie, but I think it's a lot more than that. And, and mm-hmm. I think it has, it, you know, it speaks to issues of gender and um, kind of the, the relationship within this um, stratified society. And it's also just a beautiful movie to look at. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Um, so I, I really want to see this again. I'm very excited to watch it. Um, and I think people definitely need to check this out. It's one of, I think, the most kind of significant films that they've uploaded this month, just because it, I, I think it, it deserves more attention. I, I wish it had come to disc from Criterion. You know, maybe it will, but. I I think it's great that they have it on the channel. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last one is just uh the Deneuve bundle, which has so much great stuff in it, and um, some of it is stuff that I already love. Like obviously the Demi films are all must watch. Belle de Jour is is great. Um, I'm really excited for uh, Mississippi Mermaid, which is a Truffaut film that I have yet to see. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I really want to watch uh, The Hunger again and The Girl on the Train. Uh, gee, I mean, there's so much here. It, the Last Metro, which is the last uh, Truffaut movie, is uh, not a great classic, one of his best, but definitely worth seeing. Yeah. Um, just a great bundle that, it, it, you know, represents uh, a, the scope of her her talent. Yeah, I'm I'm very eager to catch up with some of these. Mississippi Mermaid is also one that I'm really intrigued to catch. Uh, I know Twilight Time released that, and yeah, uh, I I think I had meant to purchase a copy of that disc and never got around to it, and so it'll be great to be able to see it on the channel. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much there's so much in that bundle that I mean, this is this is one of those just jam packed. <laughs> performer bundles that we get uh yeah and uh yeah orlando's one that i've been meaning to catch um for years so um yeah it's really a must see great yeah yeah uh i like you were mentioning earlier i really really recommend that kelly reichardt bundle uh especially for me the the two uh wendy and lucy and meeks cutoff i think those two are just stellar pieces of filmmaking um, 
Meeks Cutoff was my first experience with Kelly Reichardt, and I was blown away by it. And I went back and watched through the rest of her work. And uh, Wendy and Lucy was incredible as well. Um, I like River of Grass and I like Old Joy quite a bit as well. But uh, it's those last two films that uh, are just stellar, I think. And uh, I would highly recommend anyone catch those. Uh, the Tarkovsky bundle, I, I know a lot of people are eager for that. Um, Tarkovsky is one of those filmmakers that he was early in my experience with uh, art house cinema and Solaris was my my entry point into his work. And so I, I highly recommend people uh, check out his work if they haven't yet. I, I find that his films take me about two or three times to really fall into his rhythms and so he's one that takes some work sometimes uh i've seen nostalgia and the sacrifice which are the two uh, premiering titles on the channel the rest of them are permanent parts of the collection but uh, i i am really eager to revisit both of them they're ones that intrigued me and that uh, i find really fascinating but uh, I know I need to spend more time with both of those films to let them sink in uh, and to uh, let myself kind of uh, be lulled into the rhythms and to be lulled into the images a little bit more. Uh, there's just there's something magnetic about what he does there, and uh, I need to, to let it work its magic on me. He's uh, certainly um, yeah. one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, and I feel very unqualified to talk about his movies or what they mean yeah. to me. It's very yeah. um, difficult to put into words what he's able to represent on screen. And I think that's what makes him such a powerful filmmaker, but quite possibly the best filmmaker. Um, yeah. This is his uh, complete work that they have up here with, a, with the exception of a handful of sort of side projects that he did. The last two films are licensed from Kino. Um, mm -hmm. They were the two films that he made after leaving the Soviet Union. Nostalgia is uh, they—they're—they're they're sort of the sort of easy way to describe them is that Nostalgia is his Antonioni film and The Sacrifice <laughs> is his Bergman film. Um, yeah, and he made them with collaborators of each, of the respective directors um, in their countries, um, and uh, they are difficult even for Tarkovsky movies I think um, yeah but very rewarding and in particular I think nostalgia is one of my favorite of his movies um, and so I, I, I definitely recommend to anybody who has responded to the titles that have been released on Criterion uh, not to hesitate to check them out when you are in the mood for something that is challenging because they are um, or as worth seeing as as any of his other work yeah yeah there i still you know it, like you were saying you know it's it's they're films that are hard to maybe um hard to know how to talk about them but i still think that even even though i ha don't necessarily have a good grip on those two films there's something about the way he frames things the way he sequences scenes the way he uses uh, uh the just the visual poetry of, of moments that 
I find so beguiling and so entrancing that uh, it makes me want to keep returning to them. And uh, I just, uh, I find that to me to be so rewarding. And uh, uh, I find that once you kind of get, at least for me, once I've, once I've got, now that I've gotten kind of hooked on Tarkovsky, uh, he's someone that I want to continue to revisit his work and to continue to uh, let that kind of work its way into my subconscious and, and have its work its magic on me. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm really curious and really eager to check out the work of the Sensory Ethnography Lab. Um, these are films that uh, I know have gotten a lot of critical praise uh, that um, uh, as they were released in the last few years. And uh, Josh Brunstein over at Criterion Cast is especially a big fan of these films and uh, in some of the Facebook groups has been very vocal and very excited that these are coming to Criterion Channel. And so these are ones that um, just sound really fascinating. I'm always curious about uh, ways that nonfiction filmmakers uh, approach different ways of doing documentary work, especially when so many documentaries today kind of take a very stayed and formulaic route. And so I'm very, very interested in these uh, and checking these out. And uh, the Kathleen Collins bundle, I don't know much about uh, her work, but uh, I'm always really uh, interested in discovering more uh, female filmmakers of color, especially. And uh, I just think we don't have as many uh, works uh, by female filmmakers of color. And I think we need uh, to be getting more of that out there. And I'm glad that Criterion is really trying to actively curate that. And so uh, I am very excited to have uh, a short of hers and a feature. Yeah, I've been waiting to see Losing Ground for years. And um, I know that, you know, they put up Daughters of the Dust last um, month, yeah. uh, which I, I had seen uh, in theaters. I'd been lucky enough to catch a screening of that. Um, and yeah, I, I love how much they're doing this. And for um, International Women's Day, uh, yeah. yes, I think that was yesterday, the, uh, the, Criterion Channel Twitter account just tweeted out the uh, films that they have featured that are directed by women, and the thread was speaks for itself. It was about thirty-five yeah. uh, tweets long because they have so many movies that are directed by women. And you know, you were talking about the AFI list earlier. Um, you know, just a perfect representation of the white male canon in America yep. and. It's things like this and exposure to films like this that's going to allow that canon to be more representative of uh, what America looks like and what the world looks like. And um, so, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity for that. But more importantly, I just really want to see this movie. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah. Um, the other the other uh, the ethnography uh, trilogy um of films uh i have seen leviathan and it's a great movie um the one warning that i will give is if you get seasick easily it it may be a film to avoid because it is uh very intense rocking back and forth of of the ocean <laughs> 
Good, good warning. Good warning. Seasickness. I'm really excited to see the other two films though, because it's, it's a special way of making movies, I think. Nice. Nice. Uh, in the Facebook group, when I asked what people were most excited to see, they were excited for the German expressionism, which I honestly cannot fault anyone for being excited for that bundle. Cause, uh, you know, there's so many great titles in that one as well. Yeah. Uh, they're excited for the Andre Tarkovsky bundle and they're excited for the Catherine Deneuve bundle as well. So, I mean, there's, there's so much out there and, uh, uh, it's, it's a good month. It's a really good month. They all are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as we like to say around these parts, uh, criterion gives and criterion takes away and we're losing some, some big ones this month. Uh, uh, a lot of short ones, though, as well. So that actually uh, makes it maybe a little easier for some people to catch up. So we are going to be losing the directed by Shirley Clark bundle, which includes The Connection, Robert Frost, A Lover's Quarrel with the World, Portrait of Jason, Ornette Made in America, and then all of the shorts. We're going to be losing three starring Montgomery Clift, Red River, A Place in the Sun, and From Here to Eternity. We're going to be losing most of the directed by Paul Schrader bundle, which includes Hardcore, Patty Hearst, Light Sleeper, and Autofocus. We're going to be losing the entire Danny Kay bundle. We're going to be losing almost everything from the starring Burt Lancaster bundle, including I Walk Alone, Sorry Wrong Number, Come Back Little Sheba, Atlantic City, Local Hero. We're going to be losing the rest of the Jane Campion bundle. bundle. Uh, the Piano, Holy Smoke, In the Cut, though the films that Criterion does have the right to, like An Angel at My Table and Sweetie, will still be there. We're going to be losing two titles from the Film Plays Itself bundle, The Bad and the Beautiful and The Day of the Locust. We are going to be losing three titles from the Sidney Poitier bundle, Goodbye My Lady, To Sir With Love, and Brother John. We're going to be losing two from the brand new Triple Play bundle, we're going to be losing Take Me Out to the Ball Game and Angels in the Outfield. We're going to be losing Desperately Seeking Susan, Cookie, and She-Devil from the Directed by Susan Seidelman bundle. We're going to be losing the Directed by Agnes Joey bundle, uh, The Taste of Others, and Look at Me. We're going to be losing L'Enfant from the Dardan Brothers bundle. We're going to be losing Tabloid from the Directed by Errol Morris bundle. We're going to be losing Army of Shadows from the Jean-Pierre Melville bundle. And we're going to be losing the Criterion edition of The Fugitive Kind. We're going to be losing The Adventures of Prince Ahmed and Young Sherlock Holmes from the Saturday matinees. And then we'll be losing the individual titles of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, The Living Idol, and The Old Dark House. Uh, so... That's quite a few titles, uh, and a few of them are brand new this month, like the Adventures of, or like the Young Sherlock Holmes and the two from the Triple Play bundle. So those are are pretty quick turnarounds there, but it's still not quite as bad as the month when we lost a lot of the MGM musicals. Uh, Matt, what are ones that you think people need to catch? What are ones that you would like to catch before they leave? Uh, what are some of those titles for you? Well, the two recommendations that I have are um, Hollywood classics, uh, one of which is uh, sort of a standard Hollywood classic that everybody agrees on, and then one is uh, a film that I think deserves to be uh, listed alongside it. The first one is A Place in the Sun, 
with Montgomery Clift and uh, Elizabeth Taylor and uh, Shelley Winters. This is just a great movie that mm. has some spectacular performances in it. One of the most famous dresses of all time <laughs> and just a riveting uh, drama that is a social drama and courtroom drama and thriller and noirish co- components. It's got everything. Um, I think it's, it's a high watermark for Hollywood in the fifties and it's a must mm. must see film. I'm, uh, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, the second film is uh, Burt Lancaster in The Swimmer, which is a Frank Perry film from the 60s. It's based on a John Cheever short story, and it's about a guy who lives in a suburb uh, and a rich suburb and decides, figures out that he he's he's swimming at a friend's swimming pool and he figures out that he can swim home to his house by uh, swimming in each neighbor's swimming pool as he goes, uh, which hmm. uh, sounds like the weirdest idea for a movie that you could possibly think of. Um, but this is a, a great movie that has uh, a lot going on underneath the surface. And I think it's a wonderful performance from Burt Lancaster uh, especially if you're one of those people who thinks that he tends to overact. I think this movie, um, I mean, he definitely has his melodramatic moments in it, but it, 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 he's got, he's, he, he just walks the line really well of this character. And uh, it's also another movie where I think it's really hard to um, talk about without giving too much away. So I'll, I'll just mm. shut up about it now, but please, please watch this movie. I think it, it's if you like movies like the graduate i think that this should be mentioned in the same conversation as a film like that um the two that i really want to watch uh i've never seen in the cut uh Mm. which is a, a meg ryan um jane campion film and i've heard really good things about it uh i miss erotic thrillers and i hear this is both an erotic thriller and a bit of a uh indictment of erotic thrillers so i'm excited to see that and then um brother john and some of the other uh titles that are expiring from the sydney poitier bundle he is somebody who i've really only seen his uh kind of high profile titles um willies of the field in the heat of the night the defiant ones um i'm not a big fan of most of those movies i find them to be pretty dated and a little hollywood preachy like um, I mean, they're much better than Green Book, but they're kind of the Green Book of, of their era. Um, mm. th- I've heard really good things about a lot of these other movies, and I do know that he's a great actor, um, and I have seen him in in some things that really blew me away. So uh, Brother John in particular has been getting good reviews from friends, so uh, I'd like to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing In the Cut... Uh, years ago and being intrigued by it and not quite connecting with it. And I know it's gotten a lot of reappraisal recently. And uh, I think that uh, that it makes me want to check it out again and see uh, 
you know, I feel like there are a lot of films that came out at that time that um, we're reevaluating now. Yeah. And uh, and I think that sounds really great. The Swimmer sounds fantastic. Uh, this is one that I will probably need to bump up my queue in the Burt Lancaster bundle. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to definitely have to check that one out. Please do. Um, it's really great. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, well, I I recommend uh, The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. If you have not seen it yet, it is an absolute delight. Lottie uh, Ressinger's uh, animated film. Uh, it is so charming and using paper cut animation. Um, it's a silent film. It is just charming from the very beginning. Um it's it's a gorgeous film that I think uh, more people should see. If you haven't seen it, it is absolutely stunning. Um, one of the most beautiful films that uh, I think I have ever seen. Uh, I when the the announcements for what has what was going to expire uh, came out, I did catch the old Dark House uh, uh, just a little bit ago, and that was a lot of fun it's not a great film but it is so much fun uh kind of feels like an agatha christie mystery uh it's very you know a bunch of strangers trapped together in a house with a mysterious killer on the loose and uh you know it's very fun uh, a little campy at times uh it's it's delightful you've got boris karloff in it and uh, it's it's charming and very fun. Um, I started working my way through some of the shorts on the Shirley Clark bundle, and I'm really enjoying those. And uh, I'm eager to catch as many of those as I can, as, as many of those as I can work into what I am doing right now. I really like what she's doing, and I've liked the connection, the her feature film that we have on the set. Uh, and I really love the Dardan brothers. I, I find that I connect quite a bit to their style and to the ways that they approach social issues. And uh, so uh, because L'Enfant is the only film on the set that they uh, that isn't really readily accessible uh, but, uh, in the Criterion Collection on disc, uh, this is one that I am very eager to catch as well. Yeah, those are all uh, really good movies. Um, the Shirley Clark bundle, I, I found, I, I haven't seen all of them. I, I, fi- I find them a little uneven, but I think Portrait of Jason and The Connection are two uh, that are yeah. really worth seeing. Um, the Adventures of Prince Ahmed is also the first uh, animated feature ever, uh, according yeah. to most sources. So if you're uh, a, a film historian, uh, that's it's an important <laughs> one to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, according to the poll in our Facebook group, the Army of Shadows, uh, leaving from the Melville bundle, is number one on people's list of things they want to catch before it leaves. Uh, starring Burt Lancaster is number two, uh, and directed by Paul Schrader. People want to catch those films that are, again, some of those are going to be harder to find as well. Army of Shadows is a straight masterpiece, so everybody should watch that for sure. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I agree. Matt, before we go today, why don't you talk a little bit about where you are with the complete podcast? 
Sure. Uh, we recorded uh, the episode for Three Colors Blue, uh, the Shostov Kishlovsky film, uh, last week. And so we have that episode coming out probably around the same time this episode will come out. And that will leave us with um, only two episodes to go uh, in the uh, Kishlovsky season. Wow. So you're, you're, you're getting down to it. We are, yes, and we uh, have a guest for Blue, which is Erica Long of the Magic Lantern podcast, and uh, we like her so much that we're going to keep her around for the whole trilogy, so I think it'll be a great conversation spread out over three episodes. Oh, that's neat. That'll be really great to have her on for the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, well, those are the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of March. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you online? You can find me at Matthew E.G. on Letterboxd. And um, the podcast that I do, which is The Complete Podcast, uh, can be located uh, on Twitter at The Complete Pod. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is now a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of Criterion Cast at patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener-supported, so please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash joshhornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show, and for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. Once again, I'd like to thank all of our current Patreon supporters. Your support really does mean so much. On the next episode of the Criterion Channel Surfing Podcast... Matt and I are going to sit down to discuss the films of Kisuke Kenoshida. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.